Hey, just a quick note before we get into the show. Every episode this season comes with a tremendously detailed write-up of all the core ideas and strategies that you're about to learn. Plus, I always share extra reading and resources for those of you who want to dig deeper into the topic. So if you're looking to get even more value out of this, go check out the show notes for this episode at filmfreedomshow.com 16. So without any further ado, here's the show. Hey friend, welcome back to the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hardy. So today we're going to tackle the psychological issue, barrier, whatever you want to call it, but we're going to tackle the one that I struggle with most in my life. It's held me back with every film I've ever written or worked on. It's dramatically slowed the growth of my freelance business and Filmmaker Freedom for that matter. And it's holding me back this very season as I wade into the waters of teaching others about psychological barriers that I'm still very much susceptible to. And that problem is confidence or lack thereof. To be honest with you, I feel like such a fraud in everything I do. And because of that, I often end up undermining myself in all sorts of ways, but we'll get to that later. Anyhow, as I was brainstorming topics for this season, I was contemplating doing an episode on both imposter syndrome, which is what I deal with, and ego, which if you know anything about the world of film, you know that ego is very much at the center of it. But then I had this realization that imposter syndrome and ego are really just two sides of the same coin. There are these underlying issues with our confidence that just end up manifesting in different ways. And that's when the idea of the confidence spectrum was born. Think of it like this. So first, imagine a line. The line represents the various ways that confidence can show up in our lives. On the far left side, you've got imposter syndrome. And this is a lack of confidence. It's where you feel like a fraud and you're afraid that people are going to find out that you're a fraud. Then on the far right side, you've got ego, or more precisely, toxic ego, where you're overconfident, arrogant, and you live your life in a state of like oblivious, self-centered ambition. And then right in the middle, you've got real, healthy confidence. And that's where you want to be. That's the point on the spectrum where we can truly thrive, do our best work, and live good, fulfilling lives. Yet, as I'm sure you already know, it is far from easy to build real confidence. And it's way too easy to end up on either extreme of the spectrum. So that's what we're gonna tackle today. Strategies for breaking out of imposter syndrome and toxic ego, and for staying out of them. And we're also gonna talk about how to build a real unshakable sense of confidence that helps you move towards your goals in film and in life. But as always, before we can get to any of that, I gotta tell you a little bit about Black Box. So I'll be right back. Freedom. It's one of the core values with everything I do these days. I mean, it's even baked into the name of this podcast. And that is why I'm so excited to welcome Black Box as a sponsor this season. 
because while I plan to arm you with the tools to achieve mental freedom or psychological freedom, Black Box arms you with the tools for financial, creative, and collaborative freedom. Now, the Black Box platform does some pretty rad things, too many to tell you about here. But the gist of it is this. It enables you to build a portfolio of intellectual property and profit from it for years to come. It frees you up to do more of what you love and focus less on the business side of distributing your work. So to learn more about how Blackbox can help you earn your independence, go to blackbox.global slash freedom. Again, that's blackbox.global slash freedom. All right, back to the show. All right, so let's identify some of the key ways that being on either extreme of the confidence spectrum can hurt your work, your career, and your relationships. And we're going to start with imposter syndrome, a topic that I am very deeply familiar with. So we already talked a little bit about what it is, but in a nutshell, it's that deep-seated feeling that you're a fraud, that you're unqualified. And it's also a fear that people will find out that you're a fraud. And this is something that affects both beginners and fairly successful high-achieving people alike. And for beginners, it might just show up as self-talk, like, I'm not a real filmmaker, or I'm just not good enough, or something along those lines. But for more experienced and successful folks, it's this feeling that you don't deserve whatever success you've achieved, that you've somehow conned your way to where you are. And this is very much the variation of it that I feel. Not to say that I'm successful and high achieving, but this is how it shows up in my life. Anyhow, from what I can gather, I think imposter syndrome is a growing problem these days. And that's because we live in this world where we're constantly seeing everyone's highlight reels, these very manicured versions of their, their lives and their work out on the internet, and especially on social media. And when you see enough of this stuff, it's really hard not to judge yourself and your work by those artificial standards. And again, if you start doing that, it can create this underlying sense that everyone else is better than you and happier than you and more successful than you and they're better filmmakers and all of this stuff. But I think we all know at this point that most of what we see on social media is severely lacking in context at best and total BS at worst. And I could go on and on about social media and how it just distorts reality, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. Instead, we're going to talk about a few of the ways that imposter syndrome can really cause problems in our lives and manifest in all sorts of unsavory ways. So for starters, and like I mentioned before, imposter syndrome can blunt the positive feelings that come along with achieving things and reaching your goals. It can make you feel like you don't deserve whatever success you've earned. And if you think this way long enough, it'll become a belief that you're not worthy of success. And once it's a belief, it's going to reinforce itself in your actions and you'll find yourself not achieving those higher and higher levels of success. Next, imposter syndrome and perfectionism go hand in hand. And oftentimes it's hard to tell the difference, if there really even is a difference. All the lines between these, these various psychological hangups are very, are very blurry. Anyhow, when you have imposter syndrome or when you feel it, it's very easy to get bogged down in the inconsequential details of a project because you're afraid that people will judge you if you don't put in that extra work. And it can also show up as massive amounts of procrastination, second guessing every little decision you make, and just being overly critical of everything. Very much like perfectionism. And um, trust me, what I just described has basically been the story of my life these last few months as I've worked on this podcast. 
And then last, but certainly not least, imposter syndrome can stop you from ever doing anything. And this is where it really affects beginners more than anything else, because you'll end up sitting around waiting for permission to go out and do something creative. You'll sit around telling yourself a story about how you're not good enough to go out and make a film. And the root of that, of course, is fear. Specifically, fear of failure. Here's my friend, Zach Arnold, with a good explanation of how that fear of failure really tends to manifest itself in people with imposter syndrome. If you're looking at somebody that has imposter syndrome, I think number the number one thing that's going to hold them back is going to be fear of trying things and fear of failing. Because then they're just going to be perpetuating this idea that I am an imposter because I tried doing this thing. Let's 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 talk about directors, right? I think you can get very easily get directors on both end of the spectrum. And I've certainly worked with many directors that belong on either opposite end of the spectrum. So if you have one that has a massive case of imposter syndrome and has no confidence in their work at all, they're not going to make bold choices because they're going to be afraid of looking bad and they're going to be afraid of failing. And I think that's going to be the number one thing that holds somebody back from succeeding is that they're not willing to try things because they might fail. So now let's switch gears and talk about ego. And it's kind of hard to define ego without going into all sorts of like psychological and existential rabbit holes. But when I was talking to all my guests this season about it, I think my favorite analogy came from Alex Ferrari. Here's what he said. Ego is a very dangerous thing. And I'll give you a great analogy of what ego is. You just sat down to a beautiful dinner with a bunch of friends. And you ate this just amazing dinner and you're stuffed. Then they bring out the dessert tray. And you know you're stuffed. And they're like, oh, do you want a piece of cheesecake? And your your ego whispers in your mind, go ahead. Go ahead. It's just, you know, we'll work it off later at the gym. It's all good. So you eat the cheesecake. That night when you get home, take your clothes off in the bathroom and you're looking at yourself in the mirror. That same voice goes, you fat piece of shit. In other words, your ego is that part of you that's never satisfied, that's overly concerned with what people think of you, and that's insanely self-critical and self-flagellating, where you just beat yourself up. In many ways, it's the exact same problem as imposter syndrome. It's all rooted in fear, but the outward behaviors are completely different. And as you'll discover later in this episode, the solutions are also a bit different as well, even though the underlying causes are fairly similar. So why is ego a problem? First, it can lead you into situations where you're not prepared because you've overestimated your abilities. And don't get me wrong, I think faking it till you make it can work for a lot of things in life. But in the film world, particularly once there starts to be a lot of money on the line, people are gonna count on you to deliver a result. And if you overestimate your abilities, that can have disastrous consequences for your reputation. And in the world of film, your reputation is everything. Next, ego can damage your relationships, big time. And again, relationships and collaboration are at the core of what makes film work. And acting egotistically is just a surefire way to push people away and make them not want to work with you again. And that's even if you're talented, even if you're accomplished, people will stay away and they won't refer you for jobs, etc. Next, it can lead to poor quality work. 
Here's Zach Arnold again to explain how this can happen with egotistical people. From the opposite end of the spectrum, if we're now talking about the filmmaker that thinks they're going to be the next Steven Spielberg, what's going to hold them back the most is a fear of asking for help or asking questions. And this is another thing that I think has really led to so much of my success is I'm never afraid to show that I don't understand something and I don't know how to do it, but I always frame it in such a way where I'm very open about the fact saying, I don't understand how to do this. Can you please teach me? And then I get better at it. And I think the people that have egos are so afraid to show that they don't know everything and they're not good at everything that they won't ask questions and they won't get better. And more importantly, I also think that they're afraid to surround themselves with people that have a lot of talent. So if we're talking about a director and they're hiring DPs and editors and all these other uh, key positions, they don't want people that are just as good as them. They want people that aren't as good because it makes them look better. So they're surrounding themselves with subpar talent because in effect, they're the ones that still look like the genius and they're the only one that can make the great decisions. So that's how I look at the psychology of the kind of the, the large ego versus the imposter. They're gonna be, they're gonna manifest different behaviors, but they're gonna basically end up in the same place where they're gonna have work that isn't nearly as good as it could be because of those specific limiting scripts. Beyond that, it can create just blind spots. People who are egotistical believe so highly in their competence and their skills that they often miss opportunities and they make pretty obvious mistakes because they're so rigid in their thinking about their abilities. And then last, a strong toxic ego will prevent meaningful growth from occurring. And if there's one thing I've learned over my fairly short lifetime, it's that constant growth is one of the key ways that we can be content and fulfilled in our lives. And egotistical people tend to close themselves off from that growth. For all the reasons above, egotism is one of those traits that often leads people to being deeply unhappy beneath the facade that they present to society. Their relationships aren't strong, their insecurities run the show. The work they do isn't nearly as good as it could be, which leads to a feeling of not living up to one's potential. And they're not growing and they're not becoming better. They're static and deeply unsatisfied with life. And that, my friend, is the problem with ego. So that's all I've got for you in terms of living too far to one side of the confidence spectrum. And it's pretty depressing stuff, right? But don't worry, we're about to move on to the solutions half of this episode. And it is far more cheery, I promise. So hang in there for a minute as I tell you a little bit about Music Vine, and I'll be right back. This season is sponsored by my friends over at Music Vine. So you've obviously got a lot of choices these days when it comes to finding music for your films, but Music Vine is still my personal favorite. Not only is it super simple to find music that actually enhances your work, but it's also genuinely affordable, even for indie filmmakers on shoestring budgets. But here's the best part. The music is all thoughtful, expressive, and genuine. It's sourced from indie artists all over the globe who put the same care and attention to detail into their music as you do into your films. And that's why all of the tunes in this podcast come straight from the Music Vine library. So if you like what you hear in today's show, you can get five free songs fully licensed for web and social when you go to filmfreedomshow.com music. 
And as an added bonus, whenever you're ready to grab more tracks, the code FILMFREEDOM will get you 25% off your first purchase. So again, go to filmfreedomshow.com slash music for those five free tracks and use promo code FILMFREEDOM for 25% off. All right, let's get back to the episode. So at its core, confidence is simply a belief, and it's a belief in your ability to succeed in whatever you happen to be doing. And if you remember back to our episode on beliefs, because we have a full one on that whole topic, it's not really something that you can fake your way into. Sure, you get to decide which beliefs will help you most in your career, in your films, whatever. But at the end of the day, the only way to build and sustain one of those new empowering beliefs is to consistently take action in the real world. In other words, there's no app, there's no mental tricks or hacks or secrets for helping you build real confidence. It has to stem from action. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about specific fixes for both imposter syndrome and toxic ego. Because what I found is that until you can break out of either one of those states of mind, it can be hard to even begin thinking about building real confidence. So let's start with imposter syndrome and how to overcome some of those feelings. First off, if you're feeling like a fraud or an imposter, think of it as a good thing. It means you care. That means you've got high standards for yourself and for others, which as long as they don't devolve into perfectionist behavior is a very good thing. Here's another good quote from Stephen Pressfield to sum this up. If you find yourself asking yourself and your friends, am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are that you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. So next, you need to realize that you don't need more credentials, more schooling, or anything along those lines. What you need is experience that validates that you're not an imposter. Because again, we're building a belief here. And the only way to do that is to show up and do the work consistently. And you need to celebrate those wins and milestones and lessons that you learn along the way. And that'll prop up the belief in your competence and your capability. That's why my biggest recommendation for people with imposter syndrome is to go back to the perfectionism and turning pro episodes this season. Because if you follow those prescriptions, your imposter syndrome doesn't stand much chance of holding you back. Here's a quick recap though, if you're a little bit short on time. First, you have to give up the all or nothing mindset. Realize that no single project, no single film is going to make or break your career or life. Play the long game and realize that if this project doesn't go exactly as you want it to, there's always going to be another one. Next, you have to embrace failure as part of the process of succeeding. The quicker you are to take risks, fall down, and then get back up again, the quicker you'll succeed. And remember, the consequences of failure that you create in your mind are way scarier than anything you'll experience in real life. But the only way to really determine that is to go out in real life and take those risks and fall down and then get back up again. And you'll realize that those fears that you conjure just aren't that powerful. And then lastly, as we talked about in the Turning Pro episode, you must commit to showing up and doing your work every single day. No matter whether you're afraid, no matter whether you're feeling unqualified, no matter what. And the upside of this is that once you start doing these few core things, not only will those negative voices in your head start to quiet down, but you'll also be engaging in the same process that we're going to talk about later for building real true confidence. 
And honestly, as someone who's dealt with this just a ton, this is the only way I found for really getting out of my own way and doing the work required to make this season in particular. The imposter syndrome has been so real, but when you show up and do the work consistently, despite what the voices in your head are telling you, that's where the magic happens. So now let's shift into the land of ego and talk about some of the ways to recognize and overcome egotistical behavior. So I've only dealt with ego a little bit in my own life, and it was mostly back in my film school days, which is kind of ironic because looking back on it, I knew so little and had basically no experience. So why I would be egotistical, I do not know. But the big thing I've realized is that I never knew I was being an egotistical jackass until months or even years after the fact. I was oblivious while it was happening. And from all the filmmakers I've worked with since then, I've noticed the same thing. Imposter syndrome tends to be super obvious, but ego likes to live in the background, running the show from the shadows. That's why we need to learn how to spot egotistical behavior so that we can sort of self-diagnose and fix the problems that ego might be causing without us really knowing it. So here are a few patterns of behavior that are often associated with toxic egos. First, you find yourself yearning for awards and recognition. More than just doing the work, more than anything else, you really want people to recognize you for your work. Next, you feel jealous of other filmmakers when they succeed and are recognized for their work. Oftentimes, this is underpinned by a belief that you're more talented than they are and that you're more deserving of whatever recognition they happen to be getting. Next, you always have to be right in every situation. In other words, you close yourself off to true collaboration in the filmmaking process, and you act more as a dictator than a collaborator. Next is when you find yourself feeling superior to other filmmakers, your peers, and you find yourself enjoying that feeling, reveling in it. That's a clear-cut sign that your ego is running the show. But there's also a flip side of that, and that's if you find yourself feeling inferior to other filmmakers, and then using egotistical behavior to mask that inferiority. And this one takes quite a bit of self-awareness to recognize, but once you do, it's glaringly obvious every time it happens. Next up, when meeting new people, you talk incessantly about yourself, dominating the conversation, all the while thinking that the conversation is going great. And then lastly, when things don't go well or a project isn't as good as you'd like it to be, instead of taking responsibility, you reflexively blame others. So that's what I've got. And honestly, there are probably plenty more indicators of toxic ego, but for the sake of keeping this podcast relatively short, I don't think it's short at all, but this is just a good place to start in terms of identifying whether your ego is a problem. So if you recognize any of these behaviors in yourself, chances are your ego is running the show in the background in a way that's not particularly helpful to you. With that in mind, Let's talk about a few ways to start overcoming ego and getting out of your own way. And keep in mind, the practices I'm about to share are great to adopt regardless of whether you struggle with egotism or not, but they are surefire ways to sort of break the pattern of egotistical behavior. So the first one is to continuously develop your self-awareness and really get to know your strengths and your weaknesses. And once you do this, you can obviously surround yourself with people who fill in the gaps that are left by your weaknesses and people who complement your strengths. And beyond that, you always need to know that no matter how good, how masterful you become at any part of the craft, there will always be someone better than you. Always. Next, 
is don't compare your work and your success in life to other people. We already talked about this a little bit in regards to social media, but the truth is you don't know anything about what you're seeing from people out in the real world. Whatever you're seeing with their successes, that's just the tip of an iceberg that you are just not seeing. So when it comes to comparing yourself to anything, there's only one scorecard that matters, and it's super simple. Am I better today than I was yesterday? This is a super powerful question, and if you take it to heart, not only will your ego quiet down, but you can make significant progress on just about anything that matters to you. Am I better today than I was yesterday? Good stuff. Next, become a lifelong student. Those weaknesses that you've discovered through self-awareness, you can work on those. You can learn and grow. And it's the same thing with your curiosity and whatever else you're passionate about. Go down those rabbit holes. Continuously study. And then coincidentally, the more you learn, the more you end up realizing just how little you know in the grand scheme of things, which is a great ego killer. Next, you want to do your best to surround yourself with people who are better than you at various things. So on your films, work with the absolute best people you can find, even if you feel intimidated by them. And then in your life more generally, connect with and build relationships with people who've gotten great results in areas of your life that you'd like to improve. Next, stop making things for yourself and focus on the audience. When you have a purpose beyond yourself, your ego can't help but take the back seat because you're no longer the center of the universe. You're doing things for other people. And that is a hugely liberating thing. And then last, don't believe your own press clippings. As you make more films and get them out into the world, people will begin to talk about you in good ways. There's going to be stories about you in the trades and on blogs and podcasts and all of this stuff. And they'll all tell this story that you're a super talented filmmaker who does great work. And that may be true, but if you buy into that, it'll fuel your ego and lead to a lot of these behaviors that you want to avoid. So instead... Your belief, the story you tell yourself, needs to be that you're simply someone who does what they love, tells stories that matter, and works hard. You are not your films. You are not your press clippings. You're just a human on a mission to work hard and constantly improve and make films you're proud of, and then let them go out into the world. Simple as that. And that, my friends, is how you deal with toxic ego. So we've covered a lot already, but we're not quite done yet. Now we're gonna dig into the process for building real unshakable confidence that helps you move consistently towards your goals. So what I've found is that if you're not feeling confident in regards to your filmmaking, but you're not on either end of the confidence spectrum, it probably comes down to one of two things. The first is that you've got low self-esteem, which in many ways is just like an analog of imposter syndrome. It's a different variation on it, a little bit deeper, because it's about forming an identity around not having intrinsic value and intrinsic talent. Luckily though, as someone who's dealt with a ton of low self-esteem, I can tell you that the steps laid out for imposter syndrome work equally well here. If you show up consistently, do the work and improve, you can build a belief in your ability to accomplish whatever you want which in turn is great for raising your self-esteem. But the second reason that you might not be feeling confident and the one that we're gonna dig deeper into is that you've got big ambitious goals for your career, but you're just not confident in the specific actions that you're taking. In other words, you're afraid that you're wasting your time. So here's Zach Arnold again to flesh out this concept a bit more. The, the number one fear 
that so many creative people have, and I know this because I get these life stories sent to me like every single day now, and I'm sure you do too. Their fear is whatever action they're going to take next is going to be a waste of time where they could have been doing something else instead because we're not doctors and we're not lawyers. So if you're in medical school, there is nobody in their first year of medical school that's sitting there thinking, oh my God, I hope somebody picks me and I can be a doctor tomorrow. That would be awesome. I just wanna be a doctor tomorrow and maybe they'll discover me and I get my lab coat tomorrow. None of them have that expectation. Every single one of them knows exactly to the day how long it's going to take them to be a doctor and they know the exact steps that they have to take. So the only thing they have to focus on is the process. So this all begs the question, how do we as filmmakers start to develop this type of goal-centric confidence, especially when our career path is anything but certain? Zach says it all starts with getting crystal clear on your destination first before you take any action or do anything because what a lot of us are lacking isn't confidence, it's clarity. So here's Zach on how to develop clarity. Let's say that we're talking about a filmmaker that might be on one of these ends of the spectrum and they wanna find that sweet spot in the middle where they are confident that what they're doing is the right thing. They have to step back and they have to think to themselves, where do I wanna go? So if we're looking at it from the 10,000 foot view, let's call it the Google Maps view, so to speak. If you're at your starting point on Google Maps, you can't just start driving. You need to know what the destination is first. So you have to really clearly design what does the destination look like? So later on in our conversation, Zach asked me for an example of a goal that someone in my audience is chasing. So I told him about an email I got from a guy who said he wanted his next film to be acquired by A24, you know, the raddest distribution company of them all. Like they're seriously awesome. But he also wanted his film to win an Oscar. Huge goal. And honestly, I thought Zach would scoff at that and tell me to give him a smaller goal, a smaller vision, something more realistic. Instead, he took it and ran with it, showing how a filmmaker could generate the same level of confidence as those medical students who know exactly what to do to stay on track with their big goals. And this is a process that I like to teach and I call backwards planning. But here's Zach's take on it. Enjoy. With a goal like that, you can't really say, I'm going to be an Oscar-winning Hollywood film director by January 2nd of 2019. That's not going to work because there are so many outside forces that have to be in play for that to happen. So that is really setting yourself up for failure and thinking, well, geez, it's January 3rd and I haven't won my Oscar or gotten my film distributed, so I'm a failure. All the actions that I've taken were a complete waste of my time. However, what you can do instead is you can build a system around your goals. And you can say, if I want to direct a feature film that is going to win me an Oscar, what does that require? Well, it requires me researching Oscar-winning directors and learning more about their path to success. Okay, once I've done that, I realize that on average, other than some of the anomalies, most of these directors probably have about 15 to 20 years of experience. So that means that I probably need to be directing for the next 15 years. Well, that's a pretty lofty goal and that's really overwhelming. Well, I need to direct my first film first. So what is it going to take to direct my first film? Well, I don't really have a lot of contacts yet and I'm gonna have to find some way to meet the right producers or the right executive producers or the right distribution companies that are going to hire me to direct my first film. Okay, well, how do I do that? 
Well, what I'm going to have to do is spend five hours a week for the next three months compiling a database of all the possible distribution companies that I could direct a film for, and then I need to network with them and I need to build a minimum of five relationships per month. Well, now I'm starting to get more confident that these little tiny actions that I'm taking every single day are going to lead me to this giant lofty goal that I have that's 15 years from now, I'm gonna win my Oscar. Well, guess what? To win your Oscar in 15 years, what you need to do from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. tonight is go online, research 10 distribution companies, and email one of them to set up a lunch. That's it. That's all that it takes. So if you break down this giant concept and these tiny little micro goals, every single one of these things, you're confident that you're taking the right action, even though you know that that goal is really, really far off, you don't feel like you're wasting your time. It's good stuff, right? And it really puts things into perspective for how you can make consistent progress on big, big goals. So here are the key takeaways from all this as we start to wrap this show up. You can be confident with whatever career path or whatever major project you're chasing, and all that's required is that you work the process. First, define your goal as specifically as you can. Know your 10,000 foot view so that you can start planning your route. Next, Work through the process of backwards planning. Figure out every little thing that needs to happen for your goal to be reached, and then set lots of smaller micro goals that act as road markers on your way to the big picture goal. Last, design a daily process, a daily practice that slowly and surely moves you towards the next micro goal. You have to turn pro, you have to show up every day, keep learning and growing, and then check in to make sure that your daily actions are really helping you move to that next step. And as you start moving in the right direction and knocking off these micro goals, your confidence will grow and you'll have a much better sense that every action you take is moving you closer and closer to your big picture vision for how your career could be. And if you keep on going and keep on chipping away and keep on following this process, your big goals that might have once seemed unrealistic will slowly and surely become a reality. Okay, so that's all I've got for you in this episode. I really hope this idea of the confidence spectrum makes as much sense to you as it does to me. And for lack of a better way to put it, I hope you're now confident that you know how to solve some of these issues and do your best work. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode at filmfreedomshow.com 16. And I've got all sorts of cool extras there for you, including a summary of everything we've talked about here and a bunch of extra reading and resources if you want to dig deeper. So again, that's filmfreedomshow.com 16. And just a reminder, this season is sponsored by my friends over at Black Box. It's a platform that helps filmmakers collaborate effortlessly, get their work to the market, and then share in the revenue. Now, as I record this, Black Box is the absolute best way to get into the world of stock footage. Just upload to the platform once and watch as your footage is distributed to all of the major stock companies. But in the months and years to come, you'll be able to distribute all kinds of media through the platform, from shorts to features to series. Mark my words, it's going to revolutionize how we approach distribution. And now is your chance to get in on the ground floor. 
So to learn more about Blackbox and its exciting future, go to blackbox.global slash freedom. Again, that's blackbox.global slash freedom. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to share it with your film peeps, please do that. Send it as an email, a tweet, a post on Reddit, or via Carrier Pigeon. However you like to reach your people is cool with me. Also, I would love you forever if you could just take a few moments to jump onto iTunes, search for Filmmaker Freedom, and then leave a quick review. That's the absolute best way to help people who aren't already your friends to find the show and learn all of this awesome stuff. So thanks again, and I will see you in the next episode as we tackle the most pleasant topic ever, depression. Obviously, I'm kidding with that one, but we're going to tackle that that beast of an issue with the same clarity, warm-heartedness, compassion, and focus on solutions as every other episode this season. So if you're struggling with depression, go check it out. Peace out, you wonderful filmmaking person, and I will see you next time. Mm